Good morning, church. That was a very loud good morning. Happy Father's Day to everybody in attendance. If you're visiting, we want to welcome you here this morning. Uh, if you are watching online, I want to welcome you. i got some family in Kansas. I know my dad is watching this morning. Dad, happy Father's Day. And uh, my bride and my kiddos are traveling. They're listening uh, to the live stream. So Adrian, Kyra, Judah, and Kirsten, good morning. Love you. Drive safe. Uh, today we're talking about a sermon that we're calling Father Knows Best. And in preparation for some of this sermon, Mike and I started talking about some of the things that our dads knew, our earthly fathers knew, more than it seemed like anybody else on the planet. One story uh, that I want to share today is that it seemed like my dad probably knew more about yard work and was more acutely aware of what needed to be done in the yard to make it look better than any other father on the planet. And so my brothers and I, we would get up on a Saturday morning and dad would show us what needed to be done in meticulous detail. And then we would spend the next few hours trying to fix or modify whatever it was that he asked us to fix, And then, without fail, my dad, right before we finished the task and experienced uh, the satisfaction of completing what he had asked us to do, he would come in behind us and say, all right, boys, now, now let me show you here these last couple of things. And he would actually finish the task that he had assigned us that day. So my brothers and I called him the finisher, and that's a name that has stuck on my dad since I was young. Well, when my dad said you're finished, it had a whole nother meaning to it. Uh, by the way, on the title, you notice uh, I had to explain to Trent the TV. This was actually a TV show. How many of you have ever watched the TV? Look out there. Right, See, but look at the average age of these guys, though. <laughs> no, so I didn't say that. The ladies look substantially younger than the oh, men, okay, I want to okay. add. <laughs> Good move on your part. <laughs> you know, we all remember certain things about our fathers, don't we? I mean, habits or things, sayings they had. Or I can remember one thing about my dad that was uh, uh, was always kind of funny. We'd all be sitting in the living room, and, and, and he would go to sleep in the recliner. I know none of you do that, but my dad would do that. And then all of a sudden, he'd wake up, and then he'd just kind of get up real quick and look around and say, Oh, y'all step on out if you want to, but this old boy is hitting the hay. Just like we were making him stay up, you know, just like we're forcing him to stay awake. Well, we all have certain things, you know, phrases or stories that, that stick in our mind about our fathers. We, 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 want, we want you to walk away today with something sticking in your mind about your father in heaven. Because he really does know what's best for us. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Luke chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 22. In Luke chapter 12, verse 30, uh, Jesus says the phrase, your father knows. And so from there, we're kind of building out the thing that the father knows best. And we're breaking the word best down into an acronym, starting with the letter B. And so we pick up that story here in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. The Bible says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or about your body, what you'll wear for life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. 
How much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, one of the hardest things I think for us to do is to actually, uh, in areas that we're vulnerable, really believe God's word. Discipline does help correct. It does point us in the right direction. And we need to expect and experience the discipline of God. Scripture teaches us a lot about the discipline of of the Lord. Observe the writer to the Hebrews, uh, of Hebrews, in chapter 12 and verse 6. The Bible says this, Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Our text here is about not worrying uh, over material things. God supplies all our needs and he's over everything in our lives. But when we're disobedient to this mandate by the Lord Jesus Christ not to worry, God feels comfortable allowing us to experience the consequences as a result of either our worry or our behavior to try and solve the problem of our worrying. And so often in life, when we go about trying to play the role of God in our lives and resolve this small situation or this material instance or whatever it might be, the consequence that results is a function of God's discipline and Him allowing us the consequences that result due to our misbehavior. So, you know, He doesn't want to just grow us through discipline. He wants to bring us to a point where our, our desire and our passion, right, when we seek Him, it's done the right way. And he says in the verse 29, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. If the pagan world runs after such things, your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So this idea of seeking first and setting our hearts is very, very important. I I think what happens, uh, uh, at least it happened to me, I think. I look back, I remember... Uh, when the gospel pricked my heart and my desire and my passion, my enthusiasm was so high, you know, for the Lord. And, and I was seeking and I was learning and I was studying and all the, and I think a lot of times we kind of get to a point where religion becomes a habit with us. And while we still attend and we believe, we lose that seeking passion. And, and I don't, I don't want to lose that. I want to have a great heart to seek God, continue to seek Him, and to set my heart where it needs to be. Here Jesus says, not only seek the kingdom first, but He contrasts that with having your heart set on things that are not kingdom related. Paul tells Timothy, a man he's training for ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, something along these lines. He says, no one serving as a soldier should get entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. 
I was reading a book one time called Point Man by a guy named Steve Farrar, and he picks up this metaphor and says, okay, dads, imagine instead of driving home from church today uh, in middle class suburban America, that instead you're driving across a landmine laden battlefield somewhere in a distant, far off jungle with your family in the vehicle behind you. How much differently would you live your life if that was the scenario? All of a sudden, where we were eating for lunch, or the disagreement we had with our kids last night, or why people chose to wear what they would wear, would be minimized and reduced because of the urgency and sense of battle, of war that we're in the middle of. And I'm not convinced that our attitude should be much different than that metaphor suggests. But all too often, we as men get way consumed with what I call the four M's of modern life. Money, mortgage, maintenance, and media. There's always another dollar to earn or another bill to pay or, or something that I own to be maintained. And for most of us dads, when I finally do have a minute or two of solitude to myself, I get consumed in media. And Jesus would say, none of these things are types of things that you should have your heart set on. So keeping things in priority, keeping first things first, keeping the main thing the main thing is what he's talking about in seeking first the kingdom. He says in verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we also need to treasure what the Father treasures. That means value what He values. And, uh, and understanding the things He doesn't value is going to be hugely important to us too. What does God not value? Probably the most obvious thought that comes to any of your minds is that God does not value sin. What is it that God actually does value? If we look at the story of Scripture from beginning to end, starting with Adam and Eve and ending with some of those incredible pictures in the book of Revelation, we see time and time again that what God values are people. God's made His biggest sacrifices and His biggest statements to to communicate to you that He loves you. Sometimes I'll ask uh, families in my in my uh, work with them week to week, to assess what it is that they really truly value. And to assess what they truly value, I'll often ask them to fast forward the tape of their lives to the moment when they're on their deathbed. And I'll say, okay, let's say I could come into that room a moment or two before you went on to meet your maker. And I could ask you what it is you wish you would have spent more time doing in your life up to this point. Probably none of us would say, you know, Trent, I really wish I could go back and watch that uh, championship football game again. Or Trent, I can't believe that my wife and I never resolved those couple of issues. I really wish I could go back and argue with her about those issues some more. As a matter of fact, Trent, I really wish I would have just been self-centered and narcissistic and made as much money as I could have and spent it all on me and just done what I pleased whenever I pleased. That sounds absurd. What all of us would say at the core of our biggest regrets is either not spending enough time with our Heavenly Father or not spending enough time with the people our Heavenly Father has placed closest in our lives.
God values you. Uh, we're going to sing a song in the minute. We'll ask the worship team to come up. Uh, uh, we're going to do a special song here just reminding us of God's love for us. Here's what happens. In order to hate, kill, murder, we have to devalue humans around us. Hitler did it with the Jews. Uh, Other world leaders in conquering and killing have done it to say that that race is less than other races. Remember, we'll never solve racism here in our country. We won't solve it by policy. We won't solve it by politics. That's right. We won't solve it by programs. It'll only be solved as men value what God values. That they see every human being as valuable. Matter of fact, how can a nation kill the thousands and thousands of babies that are dead from the wounds of mothers? They do that by devaluing that baby and that child by calling it all of a sudden it's not human anymore. That's what we have to do. But God values us. He values human life and we should value that too. You're valuable. You understand that? The price paid for you is Jesus Christ. God looked down while we were yet sinners, Paul said. He died for us, even in our ungodliness. He loved us that much. The price paid for me and for you, the Son of God on the cross. You are valuable. You are loved. And we do not want you to forget today, especially on Father's Day, how deep the Father's love is for us. So we want to share this song with you here today.
and he can pay yours today too. If you've never obeyed the story of the death, burial, and resurrection, you can walk down this aisle, name Jesus the Lord of your life, be baptized into Christ, start all over. What a great, great Father's Day that would be. Or maybe you just need to restore your commitment to the Father above that's been loving you and taking care of you for so long. If you have a need uh, today, would you come while together we stand and sing?